Good morning, everybody. If you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 6 as we continue to worship the Lord uh, this morning. Um, as we are, have been going through the Sermon on the Mount, seeing how Jesus is teaching about uh, his kingdom that he is ushering in through his uh, life, death, burial, resurrection. And the theme, the resounding theme over and over again in the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus is addressing the issues of the heart and how that uh, how those implications apply to how we live our lives um, today as well. And so as we go there, I, uh, and as you, as you look in Matthew chapter 6, uh, let me pray uh, for us as we uh, continue in the service today. Father God, thank you for this morning. Um, God, we thank you that you are a good, holy, perfect God, and that uh, you sent your son Jesus to live the perfect life we cannot live, to die a death as our substitute, and to rise again victorious over Satan's sin and death, uh, rescuing your people from bondage and brokenness and shaping us to be more like him. So God, I, I thank you for this morning. I pray that you would encourage us through your word today, God, that you would, by your spirit, convict us of sin and brokenness, uh, that we may repent and turn toward you, a God of grace and mercy and forgiveness. And Lord, uh, that we see that in Christ, uh, Jesus is our only hope. And Lord, I pray that uh, by your spirit you would um, grow us as a community of believers together uh, who are growing in grace, uh, being stewards of grace, living lives of grace in the areas where you've placed us in marriage and family and friendships and community and our neighborhoods and the workplace and the schools. Uh, God, I pray that you would do amazing things for the glory of your name and the good of your people, and that the gospel of Jesus would advance from our lives to the nations, we ask in his good and holy name. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Jesus says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness." No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is God's word for us. Friends, Jesus orients our motivation and our vision and our loyalty toward God and his kingdom. And this good news for us has implications not only eternally but how we pattern our lives here and now what you do matters what you do in this life matters why you do it matters how you do it matters i want to ask you this morning as we pause and think about the teachings of Jesus, how that applies for you and I today. If you are not a Christian, I, I want to invite you to consider Christ as your Savior, your Rescuer. If you are a Christian, I want to invite you to hear His words and apply them very practically to our lives today. Because what we do matters, how we do matters even more. I would say why 
we do the things we do matters most of all. The gospel is all-encompassing. The gospel changes every area of our lives, our identity, our community, our, our mission together, how we live our daily lives. So I want to ask you, as you think about who you are and, and what you do and the areas of life that you're in, maybe you're here today and you're a student, maybe you're a, a, an employee of a business, maybe you own your own business, maybe you are a mom, maybe you are a... Uh, you want to be a mom, maybe you're a dad, or maybe you want to be a dad, maybe you're married, maybe you're single, maybe um, you were in a very exciting season of life, maybe a very difficult season of life. I want to ask you, through all of those realms of your life, what is your motivation to do what you do? Like, what do you have your, your vision set on? What is, when you get up in the morning, you know, what is motivating you to, to get out of bed and get going? What, where do you have your eyes set? Or what's your goal? What, what vision do you have for your life? And also, where is your loyalty? Where do your loyalties lie as a person of integrity? You see, Jesus, through the gospel, orients our motivation he orients our vision, he orients our loyalty Godward to God and his kingdom. And this is good news for us. And so in this passage, I want us to, to kind of break it down in those three areas to see how these things connect in Christ and how they apply to us today. Because it's easy for us to read through this passage and, and think it's all about money and it's all about stuff, right? I mean, Jesus says, do not lay for yourselves treasures on earth, Right? And it ends by saying, you cannot serve God and money. So it's easy for us to just pause and say, ah, oh, this is about materialism. This is about stuff. It's about money. It's about wealth. But I want us to see really that Jesus is talking about the issue of the heart. He's really focusing our attention on, on where our motivation, our vision, and loyalties lie as people. Right, the whole theme of the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus is saying, hey, I'm a king rescuing my citizens of my kingdom. I am, I am someone coming to establish an eternal kingdom of grace, and I'm rescuing my people. I am here on behalf of God the Father who is adopting sons and daughters to be a part of this family. And that has great, beautiful, eternal implications that start to play out in our lives here and now through our motivations, through the vision and, and focus we have in our lives and, and to whom we find our loyalty. So first I want to see this, is to look at what it means to have a, a heavenward life. That means that to have the goal not of, of, of getting to a place, uh, but rather to what it means to be motivated as part of a kingdom. Christ's kingdom. So first, to have a heavenward motivation, Jesus says this, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, Jesus dress, addresses the issue of the heart. Where, where is your motivation? Where is your love? Where is your devotion? As Jesus was teaching in the first century here, there was a lot of mixed devotion, a lot of mixed motivations. Jesus was teaching an audience that was very familiar and religious, some of whom were uh, the religious elite 
in the first century Jewish culture, some of whom were marginalized politically due to the Roman occupation that was there in the day. Undoubtedly, there were people there who were um, motivated out of greed, whether it be political gain, whether it be physical monetary gain, whether it be religious status, trying to, to work their way up in the religious system of the day. And Jesus addresses the motivation there. He is speaking to people who some had connections politically and religiously that would make them very well off. They had opportunity to excel and be wealthy. He was speaking to the masses who for the most part were very impoverished because of the high taxation of the Roman government, because of the high taxation of of being part of the religious culture. They had to pay taxes to the temple. Some accounts say that anywhere between 70 and 90% of a person's income was taxed. I mean, was, was gone because of taxes. So they were living somewhere between 30 and 10% of their income was what they had to live on. And Jesus doesn't say, hey, let's talk about money. Let's talk about getting more stuff. But rather he says, let's talk about where your heart is. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, treasure is what you value. What you value most is your treasure. What is it you are working for? Oftentimes it can be monetary. Is is money your driving motivation? Is money what you want most in life? If so, that is your treasure. Is stuff maybe you're like what you want most in life is a big house or a house on the beach or a large yacht or a schooner. (laughs) Maybe you want a lot of stuff. Maybe what you value most is your reputation. Maybe you want to be famous or really renowned for something. Now, don't get me wrong. It's good to excel in your field. In fact, many of you guys are here, uh, guys and gals, maybe you're in the medical community, maybe you're in the military community, some of you are educators. Excel in your careers. Have ambition. Be motivated to do wonderful things with the opportunities God has placed before you. But if your driving motivation is to be famous or to be super-duper wealthy or to be super-duper influential and you forget that that motivation is informed by Christ, then we've lost sight of the gospel. And that is what Jesus is warning against. He's not saying it's bad to be rich. He's not saying it's bad to have money. He's not saying it's bad to excel in areas. He's just saying where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What's, what's motivating you when you go to work tomorrow? What's motivating you as you seek to lead your family? What's motivating you as you seek to be involved in your neighborhood and your community? What is your prime motivation in school? What is your prime motivation in the relationships you have? It's a great book that maybe I shouldn't recommend and a great movie that maybe I shouldn't recommend, but I'm going to do it anyway. Famous line from Fight Club is, what you own ends up owning you. And oftentimes we find ourselves not working to acquire stuff, but working to maintain the stuff we've acquired. Right now we're, as many of you know, my wife and I, our family, we're in the process of moving, which is you know, we have a lot of stuff. <laughs> I've sold some things, I've given, given some things away, I've thrown away some things, and 
still the garage, just it's unbelievable how much stuff we have. So I want to ask you, as we look at our hearts, and, and first and foremost, what is your motivation? Is your motivation status? Is your motivation fame or wealth? Is your motivation power and influence? Assess your motivations, because Christ calls us to have a heavenward motivation. He says, do not lay, for yourselves tre- lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, not the temporal things that will be destroyed by moth and rust, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. One of the quickest ways to discover your motivations and the relationships, uh, uh, the motiv- your motivation in life is to have what motivates you taken from you. Like if you have wealth and all of a sudden the stock market goes awry and your money's gone, that will really reveal how much of a hold that wealth has on you. Or stuff, if you have some stuff and maybe, uh, maybe there's a, a, your basement floods and all of your precious Star Wars collectibles are ruined. That's where your heart is. Or maybe if your reputation or, or status in the community, I speak from experience, this was an idol for me for a season and you, and you want to be well respected and well known and well uh, valued as an integral part of a certain kind of community or something, if that's taken away from you, how you react, that will reveal whether that had a hold on you or not. Whether you were motivated by things that were not necessarily gospel informed and maybe they were selfishly informed. So I just want us to pause for a moment and think, assess your motivation. And maybe we need to Repent of having motivations devoid of the gospel and to turn from it and to turn toward Christ. Secondly, I want us to see this. Jesus not only speaks of a heavenward motivation by saying where your treasure is, your heart will be also, but he also speaks of having a heavenward vision. Like, what are you, what are you focused on? Right? He says this here, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? What do you have your sights set on? Like, do you have a vision for your life? Is your vision to say, look, I want to work 30 years at this company so that I can get this thing? Or my vision in life is to do this kind of thing so that I can have these many likes on Facebook or, or I want to do this thing so I can get this kind of accolade and recognition. Friends, again, I say to you, ambition is not bad. Excelling in your opportunities is good. But if our perspective, if what we have our eyes set on is on the temporal thing and not the eternal, we are missing part of the gospel. And Jesus even speaks to the eye as being the lamp of the body. Like what you have your eyes set on will pattern the life you have. If your eye is set on something that is devoid of Christ and his kingdom, it will pattern your life in a dark way toward darkness. And even good, seemingly cultural good things can end up leading you down a path of darkness. Again, Jesus doesn't say it's bad to have money. Money can be used for good Things that the Bible does not say money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So, so if God entrusts you with wealth or entrusts you with influence or entrusts you with opportunity and you're excelling in your career or relationships or whatever, that's good 
It can be good if your motivation is heavenward. And secondly, if your vision is heavenward, if you are setting your eyes on the eternal influence that Christ has uh, for his kingdom. Often we segment and compartmentalize the roles in our lives. Sometimes we think, well, I have my spiritual life over here, and then I have my work life, and then I have my family life. But the gospel really doesn't address one area of your life at the expense of the others. Like the grace of Christ is all-encompassing. And so when Jesus is speaking, what do you have your vision on? You can't say, well, I have this very gospel-centered, religious Jesus vision for my family, but, but not really my work. I'm going to be kind of crooked on my work ethics so I can kind of get ahead and step on those beneath me and use people to gain stuff for myself. But, but that's okay because I'm really taking care of my family. Do you ever justify stuff like that? <laughs> or is it just me that one time? Often I think we can. we can. We can sacrifice some of our integrity in one area of our life because we think we can balance it out by having integrity in the other, saying, look, well, I'm doing great in my church life. I'm doing great with my family. I'm doing great in my relationships over here. But man, things are a disaster at work. But I'm just going to do that because I can kind of rob from Peter to give to Paul, so to speak. That's not how the gospel works. That's not how Christ's grace works in our life. It's all encompassing. And so I would say to you, if your eye is looking toward darkness in one area, it's affecting all of the areas of your life. And Christ calls us to something different than that, to have a heavenward motivation and a heavenward vision, not compartmentalized, but rather focused on Christ and his kingdom. So before I ask you to assess your, your motivations to drive you also I want us to pause and assess what, what do you have your sights set on and how is that patterning your life there's nothing menial in any part of your life what seems like the, the ongoing mundane parts of life that's, that's life that, that's, it matters you may, you may think that it doesn't but it matters what you do matters how you do it matters and why you do it matters you may be the season of life where you're like man I, I am working this job that I just can't stand. I go in and I sit in my cubicle and I, I punch these three buttons in order every day nonstop and it doesn't matter. Friends, it does matter. And God is doing something. How you, how you do that job matters. Why you do that job matters. Maybe you're in a, a, a season of relational tension with a friend or a family member. Maybe the season of parenting is difficult for you. Kids, maybe this season of being parented is difficult for you. But God's working in it. Is there something God is doing? And do you have your motivations, Christward, heavenward? Do you have, your, your, uh, do you have eternity in, in, vision, in your vision? Right, do you have your eyes set on the eternal things that God is doing? Thirdly, we see Jesus talks about your loyalty. So he talks about heavenward motivation, heavenward vision and then heavenward loyalty says no one can serve two masters either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other you cannot serve god and money and some of you may have a translation of scripture that doesn't say money maybe it says mammon there it has more to do than than just like cash dollar dollar bill it has to do with like wealth and like stuff and and territory you cannot serve both God and mammon. You cannot serve both 
the Lord of heaven and then the stuff that he has given you to steward. That's what he's saying. You cannot say, I'm going to serve Jesus in this area, but I'm also going to manage the stuff he's laid before me, these opportunities, this money, this land, this stuff, these relationships, this status, this, this skill that I have in the workplace. I'm going to use that for myself. You, you, can't, you can't do that and serve the Lord. I, I hope and pray that God places each of you in, in amazing areas of influence. I hope you are, are the boss of your own company to the glory of God. I hope that you have a, a large family if that's what God has for you and that you are a, a patriarch or matriarch of your family to the glory of God. I, I hope and pray that if you are not the boss of your own company and you're like, man, I just, I just have this random job where I just you know, pun, punch the wall all day. I hope you punch that wall to the glory of God. I'm not a business person. I have no idea how the economy works, by the way. <laughs> Apparently, it's just people punching three buttons and punching walls and success. <laughs> I'm not a boss. You don't want to work at my company. It's ridiculous. What am I talking about? I don't know. Let's do this. You see, in Jesus' day, people were loyal to politics. There were those who were loyal to Rome and said, we're going to be devoted to Rome to make Rome this great empire, there were those who were saying, we want the temple of God, we want this, this, the Jewish culture of the day had seen lots of transition over the centuries of times of different uh, occupations and different um, seasons of exile. They had been oppressed and enslaved and they were trying to rebuild the temple uh, to, and the temple culture to this great, this great uh, thing that they thought God had for them. And there were those who were loyal to see that happen at any cost. I mean, seriously, at any cost, they, were, they, were, they would sacrifice their own to see this great religious thing happen. And that's, that happens today in Christian culture. You sacrifice the sheep to have a cool whatever. You see, sometimes where our loyalties lie can seem like good things, but even at the end of the day, we see that it's eclipsing our loyalty to God and his kingdom. You see, there were those who were, and, and this may be you today, your, your politics uh, shroud your devotion to Christ and his kingdom. Your uh, spiritual religious preferences maybe can shroud your devotion to Christ and his kingdom. Friends, I've had to wrestle through this. Like your, your devotion even to maybe a church community can help you, can cause you to lose sight of what God's doing in other areas. I love, I love this church. I love Redemption Church in Augusta. I've cried so much thinking that, oh, it's almost it's the penultimate sermon, y'all. <laughs> it's hard for me. I love this church. But by God's grace, I was able to take a sabbatical a few months ago and I was able to step back and see what, what God's doing in this city through so many different churches and ministry. And let me tell you, there's such a vital part of that puzzle that redemption is placed in. I mean, you guys need to know that. I stepped back and just said, God, what are you doing in the city? And what is my role in what you're doing in the city? And what is the role of Redemption Church in the city? Is, is there a role for me here? Is there a role for Redemption Church here? And Jesus, by his spirit, really just let me see that, that he is working in so many churches and so many ministries, including this one. And the two things that I discovered most of all that really chopped up my heart is one, that there is a need and a place for Redemption Church in Augusta, Georgia. That brings me great joy. Second thing God made clear 
is there's not a role for me here anymore in the city. <laughs> I was like, there's a role for redemption, yay! And Jesus is like, and you're not going to be here to see that part. Excuse me? Let me just tell you, God may do that in your life. God may say, you know what? Here is a season for my kingdom to thrive, and uh, your part in that's going to look different. Sometimes the best thing you can do is to stay where God places you, and sometimes the worst thing you can do is stay where God is not keeping you anymore. Sometimes the worst thing you can do is to run from where God is placing you, but sometimes, always, the best thing you can do is to follow where God's leading you, even if it's away. I'm kind of like sneaking into the sermon that's going to be on the 26th. That's a teaser. (laughs) But that will show you where your loyalties lie. Personally, I had to step back and say, is my loyalty to Redemption Church in Augusta, Georgia, or is my loyalty to the kingdom of Christ? Often those things are, are, are overlapped. For over 10 years, my loyalty to the kingdom of Christ meant I was here at Redemption Church in Augusta, Georgia. But in order for me to fulfill what God has for me in the kingdom of Christ, that means I have to move to Charlotte now. What does that have to do with this passage? It has to do everything with this passage. Because if your motivations are limited to what you get out of something, and if your vision is set on the temporal and your loyalty is to what's right in front of you, and you're forgetting the gospel, then you're going to make decisions that are going to have an effect not only on you, but on those around you. If, if you are motivated by the grace of the gospel with a heavenward motivation, if, you're, if you have the, the perspective of the eternal with a heavenward vision, and if your loyalty is not just to this right in front of you, but to the Christ and his kingdom that encompasses all of that, then, then God's going to, to do all kind of wacky stuff in your life. So that's just an aside. That's where I am right now. But I want you to think about where you are. Where are your motivations? Where is your vision? And where is your loyalty? And is your good loyalty eclipsing the gospel loyalty that God has called you to? So what does this mean for us? Because I don't want to say, let's do better and try harder. Let's all have heavenward motivation, heavenward vision, heavenward loyalty. Get to it, church. I want us to see how Jesus has done this. Because this is what I love about Jesus. Everything he teaches, he, he shows in his life. He doesn't just come and say, do as I say, not as I do. But rather Jesus says, this is how the kingdom is. This is who the king is. I'm telling you this, and now let me show you. Jesus embodied a heavenward motivation, a heavenward vision, and heavenward loyalty. If you look throughout the story of the Gospels and all throughout the New Testament, time and time again, you see that Jesus' prime motivation was the glory of God, the good of God's people, and the expansion of the the good news of Christ's kingdom. That that was Jesus' prime motivation. Everything he did and said was motivated by the glory of God, the good of God's people, and the expansion of that good news. Every action and everything that Jesus said or did was done with eternity in his sights. Jesus never said, 
I'm going to feed this hungry man just to feed him. Do you know that? I mean, anytime Jesus did some act of kindness, it wasn't just for that. I mean, sure, the guy was hungry. I mean, Jesus was like, yeah, there's 5,000 people. They're hungry. I want to feed them because they're hungry. He had compassion, but it didn't stop there. Jesus fed them not just because they were hungry. He fed them to show that he is the bread of life. Eternally. Jesus did not just heal the leper because the guy was sick. He healed the leper because he was sick, but also to show that in Christ's kingdom, he is making all things new. That that the lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear, that, that all of the Old Testament prophecies was coming true in Jesus. That's why Jesus, his, his motivations and his vision were heavenward and eternal. His loyalty was to God and his kingdom. That's why he went to the death on a cross. If Jesus was thinking temporally and was loyal to his comfort and convenience, even loyal to his friends, he may not have gone to the cross. He would say, if I go to the cross, that's really going to hurt my mom's feelings. If I go to the cross, my... my my, my friends who I've invested in for three years, they may scatter. They may go everywhere. They need, they need to be taken care of. I, I want to teach them more. If Jesus was not thinking with heaven in sight and loyal to God the Father, he would not have done what he did. There are so many examples of this in Scripture. I'll give you one to ponder. Philippians 2, Paul says this, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. See, Paul doesn't say do better, try harder, have better motivation, have better vision, have better loyalty. Paul says have this mind, which is yours in Christ Jesus. You don't have to do it. You don't have to try to get it. You don't have to attain it. It's yours. Jesus gives you this mind in Christ alone. You can't get it any other way. You can't do better. You can't try harder. You can't educate yourself, spiritualize yourself. It's yours in Christ alone. Let me just read the rest of the passage. Let's start over. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Is that not beautiful? Jesus does not come and teach He does not stop at teaching how you should live. He does not stop by teaching what our life should look like. He he shows us how he makes it possible. (laughs) That's such a beautiful, beautiful thing for us. So I would encourage you to do a couple things as as we close. I would encourage you as you read the Sermon on the Mount, I pray that we would be continually reading and revisiting these verses, these passages. I would encourage you to sometime today and this week, ponder the verses we've looked at today and really do some heart work to to question what is your utmost devotion in life? Like, where is your motivation in day-to-day life? 
And where do you have your sights set? Is it on the temporal thing of just let me do this thing? Or, or do you have your sights on the eternal? And where's your loyalty? Are you loyal to God the Father who loves you and through Christ has adopted you as his son or daughter? Are you loyal to Christ who has rescued you and saved you to be more like him? I want you to think about who Jesus is and how he's done that for us. Who, he not only teaches us this, but he, he demonstrates it through his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. And such a beautiful truth of the gospel is because of Christ, there's no condemnation because of our wavering loyalty and wavering devotion and wavering motivations and lack of eternal vision. But Christ rescues us and then gives us that we can have this mind among us that's given to us in Christ Jesus. So this morning, as you think about these things, we're going to have a time of response. And I want to ask you, if you are not a believer, if you are not a Christian, we want to invite you to know, know Jesus who rescues you. And we're, we're not here to give you five steps to be a better you. We just want to give you Jesus who, who shapes you and grows you to be more like himself and, and who brings you into the kingdom of God out of his grace, as, just as you are. And that is such good, glorious news for us. If you are a Christian, I would ask that you join me in repenting of, of our sin and brokenness that, that constantly uh, wrest, we have to wrestle with in this life. It's, it's a temporal wrestling uh, that will point us toward eternity if we uh, continually uh, wrestle through our sin and brokenness and repent of it and turn from those things and turn to Christ. I have to constantly, uh, we have to constantly repent and turn from uh, mixed devotion and mixed loyalty and mixed motivations and lack of eternal vision because it's really easy to get stuck in the temporal. It really is. But there's no condemnation in that. There's grace in that. If we say, you know what, I'm just operating very temporally right now because I'm thinking about this rather than, than Christ and his kingdom. And so I want to invite you, if you are a Christian, to repent of that and to turn toward Jesus. As we have a time of, of corporate response here, there's a few things that we can do as a church together. The worship team will come back and lead us in music. And I would invite you to worship the Lord through singing, through listening of the lyrics, through meditating on the scripture, and through prayer. Um, if you are part of Redemption Church, you know that there's other ways that we can respond as well. There's a, a way we can give uh, back in the back. There's a, a giving basket. If you're part of the ministry of Redemption, we can give uh, give uh, there. Uh, before you will see two tables um, that have bread, wine, and juice. The bread represents the body of Christ that was broken for us. And the wine and juice represents the blood of Christ through which we have forgiveness of sin. So if you're a Christian, a believer, we invite you to come and tear off part of the bread and dip it in the wine or juice. In so doing, we are worshiping God and also proclaiming the gospel to one another uh, as an act of worship. So we would invite you to come and partake of that. If you're not a believer, again, we would ask that you would uh, talk with one of us about, about Jesus. We want you to know him. Um, there will also be uh, some folks in the back that uh, wear orange lanyards if you want to pray with somebody. Uh, see one of those folks. I'll be glad to pray with you and talk you through some things. Um, so let me pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. God, we thank you that you are indeed a good and loving God, and we thank you for the grace you've given us through your son, Jesus. Uh, God, I pray that by your spirit you would continually work in our hearts and minds, that you would continually shape us to, to have the mind of Christ that he has given us. Um, God, we know that in our own strength, uh, even our attempts to do 
purely motivated things or motivated with impure motives. Uh, So God, we need rescue. We need shaping by your spirit. So God, I pray that you would convict us of our brokenness and weakness and sin. And in that, that we would see your grace. That we know in Christ there's no condemnation, but there's grace, there's forgiveness, there's mercy. uh, And that that's the good news. And so Lord, I pray for my friends and family here at Redemption this morning. God, I pray that your spirit would be working in us personally, in our, in our families, our marriages, our relationships, and God, that you would be working uh, in us as a church family together, as a community of faith, a community of believers. I pray that you would give us pure uh, gospel, heavenward motivations, not only as a church, but just in our lives, God, that when we get up tomorrow, seeing that what we do matters in the workplace, in the schools, uh, in our families, God, that the, even the day-to-day mundane things Um, that seem mundane have eternal implications in so much as it comes to to the grace of the gospel that you would give us collectively as a church body that you would give us an eternal vision so that we could see see our place as a community of believers in Augusta, Georgia and how we connect to the larger community of faith in this city that we would be able to partner in ways to serve the city uh, for the sake of Christ and his kingdom, that we would be able to serve with other churches and other ministries and other areas in this city and even beyond, God, that we would be able to serve uh, other church plants in the southeast, that we would be able to serve missionaries uh, globally. God, those in the, in the mission field who are doing uh, amazing things through medical missions and through teaching ministries and through um, construction ministries and different relational relief efforts. Uh, God, those who are in very, very hard places, uh, God, I pray that you would see how uh, we can be utilized as part of uh, your eternal kingdom in those areas as well. God, that uh, we would always uh, be uh, undivided in our devotion to you. Uh, God, that we would uh, grow in love and grace toward you as a father who has adopted us and that Jesus we would grow in love and grace toward you as the king who has rescued us and Holy Spirit that we would love uh, you more and more as the one who comforts and grows us uh, to be more like Jesus. God we give you this time pray that you use it for the glory of your name and the good of your people and that the gospel of Christ would advance from our lives to the nations. We ask in his holy name. Amen.